As we come to Genesis 17, we're going through the life of Abram and Sarai, this couple that they were in Ur of the Chaldeans on the, across the desert, and they find themselves in Canaan now. But a couple reminders for us. 25 years have now passed since Abram first received the promises of God, and yet they still haven't been fulfilled. 25 years. It's also been 13 years since Ishmael was born. And Abram, he totally blew it. He totally blew it, and he listened to Sarai's plan for him to marry another woman, Hagar, and have sex with her in order to inherit God's promise. It's also been 13 years since we've been told in Scripture that the Lord has communicated with Abram directly. And I'm sure during this time there were moments where Abram must have felt as if I blew it. I blew it. I messed up. I wrecked this thing. I was supposed to get this promise, this covenant from the Lord. But I married another woman. I slept with her. And now I have a, another kid that's not from Sarai, from my wife. He must have felt as if maybe God's done with him. God's going to use someone else. Perhaps he felt like in anger and bitterness that the Lord had forgotten about him. Lord, it's been 25 years. Where in the world are you, right? I'm not getting any younger. I'm 99 years old. Ain't no way that me and my 90-year-old wife are going to be able to have a kid at this point. So, Lord, have you forgotten about us? And I don't know if you've been there. I don't know if anybody else here has blown it. Anybody else has totally blown it, totally messed up? I'm the only one. A couple of us are honest, right? <laughs> that you've totally blown it. And you may feel like, man, the Lord, he's done with me. He's not going to speak to me anymore. I'm not going to hear from him. Hopefully, I get a coin flip when I get to the gates, and hopefully, I still make it into heaven. I don't know if you've been there before, but what we're going to see is how God, which is probably Jesus, picks up right where they left off. The Lord, he doesn't mention Abram's failure in going to Egypt and sacrificing his wife's life in order to protect himself. We won't see the Lord mentioning Abram's failure with Sarai and Hagar listening to bad counsel and trying to receive the blessings and the promises of God through sin. We won't see the Lord doing that. We won't even see it would be great if Abram from here on out was perfect and amazing. But later on we'll see that he meets another king and he makes the same mistakes. Hey honey, I love you, you're beautiful, let's protect me, so let you just tell him that you're my sister and everything will be okay. We don't even see the Lord mentioning that. No, instead the Lord in his infinite grace, mercy, faithfulness, and so much love, what he's going to remind Abram of is who he is. And he's going to continue their relationship and their covenant with one another. We're not supposed to be just focused on our own sins and blunders, but we're supposed to be focused on who Christ is and what Jesus has done. And that should change our lives. That should change the way we live. That should change our gratitude. That should change our allegiance. And the same is true for Abram, that the Lord reminded him, saying, I am God Almighty. I am able to do everything and anything. I am able to supply all needs. That's what the Lord is telling him. A couple of verses to write down before we dive into Genesis 17. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. It tells us, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Again, thank the Lord for that. Even when we are faithless, even when we give up, even when we totally mess up, 
the Lord remains faithful. Isaiah 43 verse 25, it reads, Even I am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Again, that's how the Lord treats us, and these are great reminders for us that in order to see the fruit of our lives, in order to see the blessings of God in our lives, in order to see the promises of God in our lives, it's not about us. It's not about our own strength. It's not about our own will. But instead, it's dependent on the Lord and staying near to him and being obedient to his commands. Let's turn to John 15. And after we read this, we'll dive into Genesis 17. I just thought it was a good reminder for us because we often go through seasons where we think we have, in a sense, disqualified ourselves from this relationship with the Lord. And that's not the case. Sometimes we can disqualify ourselves from certain offices. Pastors can disqualify themselves from ministry and different things like that. But the Lord, he is not done with us for forever when we blow it or when we mess up. But in John chapter 15, verse, let's start off in verse 3. It tells us, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. We can jump down to verse 10 and 11. It says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be made full. Again, family, if you want the promises of God, you want the blessings of God in your life, it's not up to your strength. It's not up to the laundry list of good deeds you've done or your church attendance or how much you've served it's just abiding with the lord it's just spending time with him hanging out with him being in his word and then secondly it's what being obedient to his commandments and so often we're told that if we're christians or if we follow the bible that we live a boring life, right? That's what they tell us, that you live a boring life or a wasteful life or you're crazy or you're in a cult or, and you have no fun. What do you do? Just hum all day, right, and do nothing? But what God's word tells us is that when we're obedient to God's commands, we get God's joy in our lives and now our joy is made full. That if you're in a season of life right now where maybe you're depressed, maybe the holiday season has you down, I encourage you, I exhort you, the Lord exhorts you to abide with God and to obey his commandments so that your joy wouldn't be of your own or your strength or of a new toy or a new relationship or a new season in life. No, your joy, our joy may be connected to God himself. And then we're able to have that peace that goes beyond our own understanding. So just some good reminders for us. Let's turn to Genesis 17. 
and then we'll dive right in. Genesis 17, we'll read verse 1 through 8. It tells us, Now when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. And you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come forth from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. To be God to you and to your descendants after you, I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings and all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And again, it's a good reminder to us as we read God's word, we can just sort of read it like it's flat, black and white, or maybe little red letters mixed in there. But we need to remember these are real people. This was a 99-year-old man that all of a sudden had God appear to him. So first and foremost, he was pretty healthy. He didn't die of a heart attack right then and there, right? Many scholars believe, I believe this is probably Jesus who came and met with him. We'll look later on in following chapters how the God eats with him and some angels eat with him as well. But the first thing the Lord tells him is, well, right, I am God Almighty. The Lord reminds Abram of who he is. The second thing he asks of him is to walk before me. Walk before me. Again, this is pointing to the relationship that God wanted to have with Abram. God didn't just want to give Abram an inheritance or a family or a ton of kids and just say, okay, go on, right? Go figure it out. Be alone. Figure yourself out. No, the Lord wanted to continue to walk together with Abram. And the same is true for us, that we shouldn't just be seeking for the Lord's blessings or for more ease in our lives, but we should be seeking for the Lord to spend time with him, to meditate with him, to get to know him better, and that we would be just enwrapped in him. The next thing he asked of Abraham was to be blameless, to be blameless. And family, we need to know the Lord, he asks the same things of us. He asks us to remember who he is and what he's done for us. Then he asks us to walk before him, and then he asks us to be blameless. And this word blameless, it means two things. The first thing is whole. The Lord wanted all of Abram. He didn't just want a part of him. He didn't want half of him or half of his life. He didn't want 70%. He didn't even want 99% of his 99 years of life. God wanted all of Abram. The second thing is upright in conduct. That's what that word blameless means. It means whole and upright in conduct. That the Lord was expecting, his expectations for Abram was that he would walk in righteousness. That he would be upright. That he wouldn't look like the rest of the world. He wouldn't look like the rest of the people in Canaan. But that his morals wouldn't be governed by this world. But instead his morals would be governed by God and by God's word. God wanted communion with Abraham. 
He wanted all of Abram, and he wanted total commitment from Abram. And family, the same thing is true with us. God, he wants to have communion with you. He wants to talk with you, spend time with you, share his blessings and promises for you. He wants all of you, and he wants total commitment from you. And sometimes we hear this and we think, man, this is crazy. God wants all of me, 100% of me. I mean, isn't this a free country? Don't I have a free life? Don't I have a right to do what I want to do? You do, but let's read Exodus chapter 20, verse 5 through 6, and let's turn there. And this is found all throughout the Old Testament, this same saying, this same sentence of who God is. And in Genesis chapter 20, verse 5 through 6, we will read, and it says, You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me, and once again, and keep my commandments. Family, our God is a jealous God. And some people hear this and they think that's not right, right? Isn't that sinful to be jealous or something like that? And that's not the case whatsoever. We've had a lot of weddings this year. We'll have more weddings come on up throughout the rest of this year and years to come. And when the husband and wife are there getting married, they don't say, I'm willing to give you 70% of me, right? No, it's I'm willing to give all of me, right? It'd be pretty, pretty sketchy wedding. I'll give you 70%, but the other 30% is for the other ladies out there in this world. Right? The wedding should be done. Someone should stand up and say, ah, this is done. This ain't right. This shouldn't be happening. And we are jealous people. Right? You have Thanksgiving, you have Christmas, you have a secret Santa, and you go and you spend like $1,000 on a gift, and then you get your secret Santa gift, and you open it, and you're like, this is an airhead? I haven't eaten this candy in like 20 years. What's going on here, right? And we are jealous people. You have Thanksgiving, you spent all this money on this turkey, all the fixings, and you ask somebody else to come, and they brought a pack of napkins, and you're saying, what is going on, right? This isn't fair. This isn't right. Sometimes at our job, you're faithful, you've been putting in hours, you've been putting in years, you're always on time, there's a promotion coming up, you're hoping for it, you're wishing for it, you're applying for it, and they bring somebody else to get the job. And you're just rejoicing, right? Lord, thank you, you gave that person their job, right? No, you're jealous, you're bothered, you're saying, man, I've given my all to this place, and yet they're treating me unfairly. And the Lord is the same with us, he's willing to give us all of him, as we'll focus in on in a moment, the Lord really asked three things of Abraham. He asked him to walk before him, to be blameless, and as a token of the covenant to go through circumcision in him and through his whole family's life. But let's look real quick at all the things God says he's going to do for Abram, right? He tells him in verse 2, I will establish my covenant between me and you. I will multiply you exceedingly. Verse 4, my covenant is with you. You will be the father of a multitude of nations. Then we jump down to verse 6. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you. Kings will come forth from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants and their generations an everlasting covenant. Verse 8, I will give you and your descendants the land, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession and I will be their God. It's a pretty great deal, right? 
Abraham, he just has to do three things, and God is going to give him just a laundry list of things that God says he is going to do for Abraham. And the same is true with our walk with the Lord, our walk with Jesus. We're asked to right, love the Lord our God with all we have and to love our neighbor as ourself. And there's all the commandments, right? And we get all these blessings from the Lord that we just need to abide in him and keep his commandments. And he's going to do the rest. But we don't like giving God our all. We like holding back. We like giving ourselves more and protecting ourselves and protecting our flesh. Again, it's been 25 years since the Lord last spoke with Abram and gave that promise. At this point, he's 99 years old. He has one son. And now the Lord is going to change his name from Abram, which means exalted father. Again, imagine, now he at least has one son within the past 13 years. But every time you say hi to someone, hi, my name is exalted father. Looking around, right? Man, where are your kids? Where, how are you an exalted father, right? And now he has to go back to the family and say, Sarai, um, don't call me Abram anymore. Okay, I, I need you from now on to call me. That word Abraham, it means father of a multitude, right? I need you to call me father of a multitude, right? The shame he must have had, right? The shame he must have had from here on out, even though I have one kid that I received through it illegitimate marriage and sleeping with another woman from here on out I need you to call me father of a multitude and family thank the Lord that he doesn't see us just where we are at but the Lord sees what he can do in us and through us right that's why he says he takes us from the miry clay he sets us on the rock he sets us on the wheel of a potter and now he creates something out of us so the Lord he doesn't just look at us and say man look at that piece of mud, right? Look at that piece of clay just sitting there in the mud. No, he looks at us and says, man, there's a mug one day, there's a vase, there's a pot. None of us are ashtrays. None of us are ashtrays, right? But the Lord, he sees something beautiful in us and through us when we abide in him and when we obey his commandments. That is what the Lord sees in each and every one of us. We continue reading now verse 9 through 14. It says, and God said further to Abraham, now as for you, you shall keep my covenant and your descendants after you throughout their generations. And this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and, your, and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. And it shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you. And every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout your generations. A servant who is born in the house or who is bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendants. A servant who is born in your house or who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. Thus shall my covenant be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. But an uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Up until now, the Lord is the one doing everything in his covenant and his relationship with Abram. This is the first time now God says, hey, now I need you to do this outwardly as a sign, as a result of the covenant that I have with you. 
And circumcision, first and foremost, man, it was more healthy. It was cleaner than living other ways, especially in this ancient time. Just like with a lot of the dietary laws, eating pork in this day and age or shellfish in this day and age without proper refrigeration and different things like that would lead to a lot of sicknesses and problems. Maybe today it will be Brussels sprouts and lettuce with all the E. coli and things going on. But there was both for cleanliness and then the Lord wanted to use it as a sign of cutting off the flesh. A sign of showing that Abram and his family were set apart for the Lord and the things of the Lord. It's also interesting, Dr. S.I. McLean, he wrote a whole book on just the health of living according to God's word. And he notes, newborn children have a peculiar susceptibility to bleeding between the second and fifth days of life. It seems an important blood clotting agent, vitamin K, is not formed in the normal amount until the fifth to seventh day of life. Another blood clotting agent, prothrombin, is at its highest levels in infants on precisely the eighth day of life making the eighth day of life the safest and earliest day to circumcise an infant again god in his infinite knowledge he knew exactly on the eighth day is the best day for a baby to be able to allow the blood to clot and for the wound to heal right isn't evolution amazing and the things that happen in science but it's all the lord and we know this is the covenant god made with Abram, And this was the sign of the covenant of the relationship that God had made with Abram. Just like for us as Christians, as believers, us being water baptized is a sign of the covenant that we have made with the Lord. Just like not every single married couple has a huge wedding where they spend hundreds or thousands of dollars. Some people, they just go to court. Some people, they just meet in a park with the pastor, and that's it. But it's a sign of what already has happened, of the covenant of the promise between two people. It's important for us to know circumcision was not the act that gave Abraham a right to this covenant. It was his faith that God accounted to him as righteousness. It was simply the ceremony, again, to point to the special covenant God had made with Abraham. Now, family, the question for us is, what makes you saved? Why are you saved? Why do you deserve heaven? Why are you going to heaven when you die? Is it because you were baptized? A lot of people believe that. That's why they say, man, pull that baby out of the womb and sprinkle him real quick so that no matter what, they make it into heaven. But that's not the truth. That's not the case. We need to have a relationship with the Lord through faith. Again, why are we going to heaven? If it's because I served at Calvary, Miami a certain amount of years, is it because I've had perfect church attendance my whole life? None of those things will grant us entrance into heaven. None of those things will build that covenant between us and the Lord. It's simply faith, believing that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one who died taking my place for my sins. And we can lose track of that a lot. We think we're better than the person next to us because of our works. I'm making it to heaven because of my works, because of how holy I am. Look at how awesome I am of a person, right? But it's through faith. Let's turn to Romans chapter 4, verse 7 through 10, and then jump to verse 16. It says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. 
And blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Is this blessing then on the circumcised or on the uncircumcised also? For we say faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it credited? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while he was uncircumcised. Then verse 16, it says, For this reason it is by faith, in order that it may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Again, family, works do not lead to the covenant with God. It is through faith. But now as a result of that faith, there should be works in our life. There should be a difference within our lives. Again, hopefully you're here and you're married and you're not ashamed to go out with your spouse. You're not ashamed to wear a ring when you're with them, right? Honey, I love you. Our covenant is between me and you. But when we're out and about, I don't want to wear this thing. I don't want people to get the wrong idea. It hurts me a little bit, right? My skin is sensitive. I need to take this thing off. Be a couple, hopefully, a couple alarms are going off saying, man, this isn't right. Same is true for our walk with the Lord family. Don't use this as a token. See, I don't have to get water baptized. No, you should get water baptized. But being water baptized doesn't grant us salvation. It's only a sign of the work that God has done in our lives. And for us as believers, circumcised or uncircumcised, man, that's between you, your opinion, your heritage, your family. None of those things make us more holy. Just like where you got baptized doesn't make you more holy or full water or splash or splish splash. None of those things make you more holy or less holy. Let's go back to Genesis 17 and then we'll continue reading on. Verse 15 through 16, then it reads, Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. And then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations, and kings of peoples will come from her. God not only wanted to do a work in Abram, but he also wanted to do a work in Sarai as well. She would go from Sarai, which means contentious, to Sarah, which means princess. I think that's why we don't find that many Sarais around anymore. Hi, this is my wife, contentious, right? We get along great. Our marriage is awesome, right? No. God changes her name from Sarai to Sarah, which means princess. And again, family, the Lord is specific to show Abram his plan and his covenant is for a child made from Abraham and from Sarah and no one else. That's what God's plan was, was it within their marriage, within their family unit, within what God had planned and made. Even though Abraham was 99 years old and Sarah was 90 years old at this time. Again, for us to remember that these were real people. These were real people. Imagine for Christmas you go to a convalescent home or an old folks home to bless them and spend time with them. And in the corner you hear a lady giving birth, right? It'd be pretty crazy. It'd be pretty weird. That'd be like something on the tabloids you read as you're checking out in public. You're like, that's not real. 90-year-old lady, she had a baby. That's not real, right? Aliens coming down, whatever is happening. And this is what the Lord wanted to do. This was the Lord's plan so he could get all the glory and no one else. 
We continue reading verse 17 now through verse 22. It tells us, Then Abraham fell on his face and he laughed and said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live for you. But God said, No. But Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I will bless him, and I will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. And he shall become the father of twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this season next year. When he finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Again, in verse 17, we see Abraham, he fell on his face and began to laugh. And we shouldn't see this as a scoff or as a laugh of doubt, but as a man blown away at what God wants to do in his life in spite of the impossibilities. And I hope that you've been there, that you say, Lord, this is what you want to do. This is impossible, God. I don't know how you're going to do this, but I trust in you. God, I want to see what you're going to do here, right? Hopefully sometimes you look in the mirror and you're able to laugh at yourself, right? Lord, you want me to do what? Are you crazy? I can't, I can't teach those little kids. They're going to eat me alive. I don't know what I'm supposed to do there, right? I can't serve there. I can't teach those people. I can't preach the gospel to them. Lord, you're crazy. How are you going to do this? Lots of times on mission trips, we find ourselves laughing at the crazy scenarios we're in. Uh, one time we were in New York and New Jersey after a hurricane, and we were supposed to go to this tent, and we were going to hand out food and have a teaching, and we go there, and I remember talking with the pastor. I was like, these outdoor tents aren't supposed to stay for, like, weeks at a time. Are you sure it's going to be all right? He's like, yeah, yeah, we've had it up all this time. The next morning we come, the tent's upside down, all the metals wrapped together. It's all torn apart. And we're just laughing, all right, Lord, how are we going to feed people? How are we going to have a service? And we ended up building an entire home uh, with Jose and a bunch of wood and 10 degrees of weather. And we built an entire sanctuary basically within two days to then feed the people and have the service. And have you been able to laugh at the impossibilities that God is able to make possible? We know that in Romans 4, 19 and 20, it says, With respect to the promise of God, he did not waver, speaking of Abraham, but he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. And family, I hope that's us. I hope you're growing in your faith with the Lord. That you're not shrinking back. You're not staying at the same place. You're not staying as a skeptic or saying, I don't even know if this is real. This is just something to add to my life to make me a better person, but none of this stuff is real. Hopefully you're growing in your faith. One of the commentators on chapter 17, he said, to become a man of faith, it takes time. It takes time to become a man or woman of faith. It's not one day or one week or one year. It's years of walking with the Lord. Robert Jameson, he says, it was not a sneer of unbelief, but a smile of the delight at the improbability of the event. It's also important to look at in verse 18, Abraham right away points to Ishmael, right? He says, Lord, I'm 99, my wife is 90, we're not like that anymore, right? We're not romantic, that whole thing ain't happening anymore. So Lord, just let it happen with Ishmael. 
Just, let, just do it through him. And we can look at Genesis 15, verse 2 and 3. And Abram did something similar. Where he said, Lord, this is too impossible. Let's just do what my eyes can see. Let's just do what I can understand. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house, Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, since you have given me no offspring, the one born in my house is my heir. He's saying, let Eliezer, let him be the heir. Let him be the one that you bring the promise through. Let Ishmael be the one that you bring the promise through. I'm too old. This is too hard. This takes too much faith. But God had another plan. God had another plan, a much greater and better plan. And family, often, if we're honest with ourselves, we want to settle when it comes to the things of God. We don't want the full plan. We don't want the huge step of faith. We don't want to do the hard thing. We want to settle for what we can see is easy and simple. But the Lord doesn't want us to settle, right? Abram was content with Eliezer or Ishmael, but God wanted to do something impossible and give Abram a son from his own seed, not birthed in sin, but birthed through the Spirit. And family, what is that for you that the Lord wants to bring you in deeper? He wants to bring you in closer. Man, Lord, I'm content. I'm content with the holiday package. I come in Christmas. I come in Easter. And that's it. The rest I get to live stream. Look at technology. It's amazing, God. I'm content with that, right? Lord, I'm content with just coming once a week. I don't need to go to church anymore. I'm content with twice a week. Lord, I'm content with giving you half of me. I'm content with my job. No. What does the Lord want? Does the Lord want you to go deeper? Does the Lord want to do something impossible through your life to show you his power? And as we looked at Ishmael and Isaac, Ishmael is a sign of things born in the flesh. And the things born in the flesh can never inherit the blessings and the promises of God. It's only things birthed through the Spirit. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 4. And Paul, he's going to talk on this with the church of Galatia. Galatians chapter 4. We'll read verse 28 through 31. It says, And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. But as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit. So it is now also. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of a bondwoman, but of the free woman. Family, the reminder to us is that things done in the flesh will persecute things done in the spirit. When we do things in our flesh, it will persecute, it will hunt down, it will want to take out the things of the spirit. The promises of God cannot be met through sin or through the works of our flesh. We need to make sure, family, that we're living in the spirit, that we're not living after the flesh. Maybe that's you right now and you're just frustrated with your life. You're frustrated where things are at. You thought you would be better off. Lord, where are you? It's great to look at our lives and say, okay, have I been living in the flesh? Or have I been living in the spirit? Am I in a place right now where I'm like Job and God just wants to show how awesome he is on behalf of me? Or have I just been fleshing out and in complete sin and I'm just reaping what I have sown? It's important to look at those things. We go back to Genesis 17, verse 23 through 27. It tells us, Then Abraham took Ishmael his son 
and all the servants who were born in his house, and all who were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abram's household. And he circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the very same day as God had said to him. Now Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. In the very same day, Abraham was circumcised, and Ishmael, his son, all the men of his household who were born in the house or bought with money from a foreigner were circumcised with him. Abraham was obedient to the Lord right away. The same day God made the covenant with Abraham, Abraham went and he obeyed God's commandments. Again, family, what is the Lord asking us to cut off in our lives? What are the works of the flesh that we're wanting to hold on to that God is saying, hey, you got to cut these things off. These things should not be in your life. You're supposed to be blameless. You're supposed to walk with me. And you're supposed to look different. You're set apart. What is God asking you to cut off? Are we putting off God's commands or are we walking in the truth of his covenant with us? We need to do that, family. It's also important to note this covenant and this sign was not just for Abraham. Abraham didn't just go. He was the only one that got circumcised. And he said, hey, this is my relationship with God. Everybody else under my care. Everybody else under the tent. Everybody else in my posse, in my group. Man, it's between them and the Lord. No, it was for him and everyone in his care. Everyone that he was supposed to take care of and in charge of, they all needed to be a part of this covenant with God. It was not just for Abraham. It was for his whole household. It was for his whole household. Again, family, this is, these are real people. Abraham was a real man that at 99 years old, he said, all right, God, this is what you want from me? All right, let's do this. And again, the conversation he had to have with every single man that lived with him. That lived under his care. All the tents, right? We talked about the thousands of people that were with him and what had to be done. And Ishmael, he's 13 years old at this point. Again, can you imagine that conversation? Hey, son, I need you to come over here. We got to talk about something. God is asking me to do something. But he did not wait it out. He did not put it aside. So, again, especially for the fathers here especially for the parents here, what is God asking you to cut off in your homes? What is God asking you to cut off in the homes of your children? And we don't see here any age discrepancy, right? 13 years old, we know that in this day and age, in this culture, this was a grown man. 13 years old, you were a man. You could go do your own thing. Yet God told him, not only Abraham, do you have to be circumcised, but your son also. And every man that lives in your care. So again, family, a lot of times we make excuses and say, man, they're their own person. They're older. I can't force things on them. Again, show me that in Scripture. Show me where in Scripture you should have a different set of morals than the kids that you're in charge of, than the family that you're in charge of of your home. Well, we see in Scripture that we as men, we're the priests of our homes. And when you look at priests throughout Scripture that didn't take care of their homes, their sons died and perished, and he died and perished. So especially for the parents here, especially for the fathers here, what is God asking you to cut off in your flesh? And what is God asking you to cut off within your kids? Are you holding back on the Lord? 
Has the Lord not done enough? Are we forgetting who God is? What he's done for us? As we looked at the very first verse, I am God Almighty. You have salvation because of me. You're not going to hell because of me, yet your family, it's a wreck. And your morals, you're saying, hey, it's up to them, and they can do what they want. We should keep in mind, Lot, he lived off on his own. He was once in care of Abraham, but he went and he lived off on his own, and he went and he did what he wanted to do. But everyone under Abraham's care had to live according to the covenant that Abraham had made with the Lord. So again, family, may we walk in that. And as we read in John 15, it's not for our hurt. It's not so that we can start fighting with our kids. It's not so that damage can be done to our family. But it's so that we would have the joy of the Lord. So that we would have the peace of the Lord in our lives. And it's going to be difficult at first, especially if you've been disobedient to the Lord for a long time. But in the end, it's going to be a blessing. It's going to be a benefit, right? When you've been unhealthy for a long time and the doctor says, hey, you got to start getting healthy, things are messed up, what do you tell him? Doc, I'm in too deep, right? I've been eating bad this way for like 60, 70 years. I'm going to keep eating bad, right? Keep giving me the fried chicken. No, you're going to say, all right, let me start getting healthy. Let me start getting right. Let me start getting right for my family, for my kids, for those around me. 